Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
Welcome back to the Heavy Metal Mayhem Radio Show. We got a jam-packed episode for you tonight. All the guests are live, and what a great way to close out the month of October, especially Halloween week with George Neal and Brian Thomas from Halloween, Brian Lappin from Enemy, and Kingsley, King Sally from October 31st and Deceased. What a great show we got for everybody tonight. And right there, that was Metal Church with Fake Healer. Uh, that song came off the Blessing in the Skies record. That was the first record after David Wayne, uh, you know, parted ways with the band. And now Ronnie Monroe is out of the group. I don't know where the band is going, but maybe they should look under a rock and find Mike Howe and bring him back. Because it really was a good record. Uh, most of that album was, you know, planned though. It was getting ready to be recorded with David Wayne until things fell apart and he was out of the group. So I would love to find out if there are any rehearsal tapes or demo tapes with uh, David Wayne singing these songs. They must sound great. And I'm sure they're out there. Uh, we're just going to have to do a lot of dig deep in, and uh, maybe Kurt Vanderhoof uh, one day might find them and release them. Who knows? All right. Well, you know what? My buddies from the Indestructible Noise Command, INC, they're back. Black Curse Serenade is their brand new record. And I know they're going to be doing press this month, so I'm sure we'll have Eric or Anthony on the show again. Uh, let's get on the opening track of that brand new record. And right after that, uh, George and Brian from Halloween should be calling in. So uh, here you go. Stir on the flock.
you go. Halloween, Tales from the Crypt. Uh, George and Brian should be calling in any second now. Uh, so we'll just wait around for them. I was checking out some uh, video clips of uh, my buddy Neil Turbin. He's fronting Onslaught right now. So I killer couldn't make the tour. Uh, you know, his kid's kind of sick, so he's at home taking care of him. I was looking at some of the video from the St. Vitus Club show last week. And uh, I have to tell you, Neil sounded pretty good. He did a great job uh, covering those songs. He just looked a little out of place, like, like he wasn't very comfortable, you know. But I guess stepping into a band that, you know, you're not really that familiar with and, and fronting them and having to learn, you know, an entire set worth of songs that quickly, you know, it's going to take a little while to get used to it, a little feel, but uh, Neil's an amazing singer, and I can't wait for this Death Rider record to come out. He's been recording it for a really, really long time, and I know it's going to be top-notch over there, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. And like I said, we're waiting for George and Brian to call in. Uh, also, Brian Lappinen and Kingsley King Fowley, they are going to be part of the Defenders of the Old Festival 3 in Brooklyn, New York, March 13th and 14th. It's going to be an amazing festival. And, you know, I want to thank He Wang for, you know, letting us be a part of it and helping out with this promotion. We're going to have more of the guests that are on that bill coming up, in the, you know, next month and the month after that. But right now we just added Riot 5 to the bill. It's going to be amazing having, you know, a Brooklyn band, even though most of the guys aren't from Brooklyn anymore or the original members. They still sound great. They put out an amazing new record. Uh, Todd is just incredible on vocals. Uh, they're going to be a part of that bill along with Exciter, The Raj. Brian is going to be there doing the whole Unholy Terror record under the name Machines of War from Enemy. Uh, King's Band, October 31st, is on the bill, and many, many other groups. And there's still one more announcement to come. I kind of know who it is, uh, but I don't want to announce it. That's not my job. We'll let he take care of that as soon as he confirms it. So um, if you're going to be in Brooklyn on the 13th and 14th of March, if you're not, head down to the Bell House. It's going to be an amazing show. You're going to get to see Excited. First time in 30 years the band has played with the original lineup here in New York. And the Rod's coming down to the city for the first time. It's going to be a great, great show. All right, you know what? Well, we're still waiting. We may as well get on another tune. And I figure since Reese is in the chat room and we got to hang out very shortly at the King Diamond show because it was just too crowded and too noisy to talk, we have to do some new wave of British heavy metal because that's what she's all about. So here's Jaguar with War Machine.
All right, there you go. Jaguar with War Machine. That goes out to you, Pengo. Enjoy. But right now, we got the guys on the line. George, Brian, Rob, and TJ. We got four for the price of two today. What's up, guys? Hey, what's going on? <laughs> what's happening? Hey, you know, this is your time of the year, isn't it? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it, it's a good time, and I'm glad. And, and you got a show on Halloween, which is even better. I mean, that doesn't happen that often, I guess, but it's good to have one this year. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, we actually, we haven't performed since last Halloween. That's a long time. I know, and I'm itching to get back up there. <laughs> is it hard to get shows, I mean, like on, on a consistent basis, or is it just that there's maybe not enough venues to play at in certain areas, or maybe like where you come from? Uh, I don't know, you know. There's venues, but it's been hard the last couple of years trying to get people to just go to shows, even like big shows. Attendance has been down, and uh, the clubs are real tight with you know with paying paying money. And the kind of show we do, it's like a it's like a Broadway production. You know, there's a lot of crew, a lot of uh, expenses, and and so trying to get the money to give our fans what they expect from us. Uh, sometimes it's hard to do, so we don't play that often. And we've been writing for a new album, which is long overdue. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing the new record. I mean, it was only two years ago uh, that Territory came out. But, I mean, I thought it was a great record. I know a lot of you guys weren't happy about it, I guess more on on the production end of it or the sound end of it. I guess you weren't happy with that part of it. Well, there was a lot of things that happened during the recording of that. Uh, our guitar player at the time, Donnie Allen, had some health issues. And right as we were getting ready to do guitar solos was when he got sick. So we were scrambling trying to get the record finished. And then by the time we uh, worked out the guitar parts, then everybody was, you know, asking, oh, well, where's this record we've been talking about for all these years? Since 2006 was when Horror, Fire, and Evil Pieces came out. So we felt the pressure to hurry up and get it finished. And so uh, when Rob was mixing and mastering and everything, it's like we, we kind of let some things slip by that, you know, in hindsight, we wish we had taken a little more time. But, you know, we wanted to make sure to get it done and out to the fans. And then we took a, a little bit of a beating from some of the critics, but a lot of people liked it, and our fans loved it. Absolutely. Well, you know, everybody's got an opinion today about everything. I mean, everybody, you know, there's all these keyboard warriors that are really brave when they're typing up all these opinions on things, but they're not the ones creating the music. And, I mean, even though you've been doing this for a very long time, and you do have to grow kind of a thick skin, it's still kind of, I get, imagine what hurt, because it's like your kid, it's like your baby, you know, you nurture it from the beginning, you make it turn it into something, and if somebody rags upon it, it's got to bother you. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, well, well, you should have feel that way because it really was a great record. You know, we play here all the time on this show. And, you know, Rob, you've been with the band now for well over a decade. I mean, you were on the last couple of records with them. I mean, how was it fitting into a band? Even TJ, you joined up after the last record, correct? Yeah, TJ uh, joined right before we went on tour in, in Europe. Don's been with us since, what was it, 2007? Yeah, Don joined in 2007. And, uh,. And now uh, our our drummer Rob is having some health issues, so we've got uh, Frank Hanna Foot from my side project Ass is sitting in on uh, on drums for us this year, and he depending on what happens with Rob's health, uh, Foot could end up being a permanent member of the band. Oh, okay, all right. Well, That's you know, another reason that the new record hasn't been started yet is because Rob got sick. So. 
Yeah. Uh, do you have songs already like worked out, or are you just in that? Are you in that planning stage right now? We have a lot of cool ideas. Um, we just haven't we haven't gotten together and really uh, dialed them in yet. TJ's yeah. been writing. Don's finally gonna gonna contribute to a record more than solos. He's got some ideas, and me and George are always overflowing with, you know, with new ideas. So. That's gonna be great. I, you know, I'm still waiting for you guys to get to New York. I mean, I I'm gonna to have to make a trip to Detroit next Halloween if force comes to worst because uh, I gotta get that you guys. That would be awesome. I, I'd love to come back to New York. We love the days of Lamore in Brooklyn. Ah, uh, you yeah. know, it was, it was nice to see our name up on the marquee with Nuclear Assault and Testament and Overkill and and us. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I have to tell you, the scene here in New York has been getting really really good over the last year or so. Attendance is up at a lot of shows. There are clubs popping up like in every other corner in certain areas of Brooklyn, New York. And, you know, they're not the biggest places, but they pack them in and it's looking good here again. So maybe, you know, the time is right to, to make something happen. If you yeah, can. maybe maybe we can get something worked out to have the station sponsor a show and bring us out. Maybe bring a couple of Detroit fans out so, uh, you know, we can make you know make the expenses for the trip <laughs> a little that, less. If I can make that Powerful. happen, guys, you know I will. Right now, I can barely sponsor new shoes for my wife, but uh, we'll work on that happening. We'll, we'll put that in yeah, motion. There's another great metal band here in town, Wolfhook, that would be a really good uh, combo on a show with us out they, there. They are, they are great, and the singer is in uh, Georgia's side project also, his other band there, so think yep. about Crane, so that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah, really? he's a good guy. Yeah. Great well, listen, band. I know over the, over the last couple of years – all the old records are, are, are getting re-released again, which is a really good thing because some of them were really hard to find. And when they come out again in the re-release, are you guys doing anything to them? Are you offering anything extra on there? Or are you reworking the songs or, or remastering them in any way? Or, or is it just a new well, copy of the old record? Actually, um, Don't Meddle With Evil just came out again. It came out on LP and CD. And that was actually remastered. And uh, the same thing with uh, No One Gets Out. Actually, put on vinyl. And um, that was also remastered. Pierce Still's been great to us, you know. I mean, yeah. you know, they, they, they get it. They know that, you know, there's, you know, we're underground metal band that has fans that we didn't oversaturate the market with, you know, with CDs and albums because, you know, basically we couldn't afford it on our own. And they're, they, they get feedback and, you know, they're really good about doing these re-releases and everything they redo is, you know, they they remaster it and come new up art, with new artwork. Yeah, come up with some of them have bonus tracks. <laughs> so, That's so cool. Know, it, it's a great label and we're really fortunate, you know, yeah. to be working with. They really are. And what I love is that, you know, they do, you know, put a lot of time and effort into the re-release, especially the vinyl. To be able to get an old Halloween record on vinyl like I did back in the 80s, that's just incredible to me. And I I love that part of it. Did you ever think vinyl would make this kind of comeback? I mean, it's it's a niche market. It's small, but people are buying them. Oh, yeah. No, I I couldn't have foreseen it. or I would have probably hung on to a couple of the originals. I, yeah. I love it because I've, I've always been a vinyl guy. I've got like 3,000 albums downstairs, and you just love to take take that shrink wrap off and open it up and look at all the pictures and the lyrics and hold it in your hand. I mean, a CD is cool, but nothing like opening a record. That, that's so true. I'm waiting for 8-Tracks to come back. I think that's right around the corner. <laughs> yeah. So that the song can be interrupted when the track changes. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) 
<laughs> you just have, have to click that handle a hundred times to get to the right song. See, see all those bands, they didn't plan well enough back then. they got to make their songs the same length so that it doesn't, you know, change tracks in the middle of the tune. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I can't. Well, I can't believe people bought that bought that music back then on an A track, knowing that that was going to happen. But hey, you know, yeah. people love music. Hey, you know, once they install that in your car, that's it. It's here for a while. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, tell me about the show you guys got coming up this Halloween. Where is it? Who are you guys playing with? Is it gonna you gonna do your full show? I guess because you know that wouldn't be Halloween without that. Well, yeah. I mean, Halloween. You know, every seven years it falls on a Friday or Saturday, so. You know, we got to take advantage of the weekend, and it's a Diesel Concert Theater again this year. We did our 30th anniversary there last year. Um, you know, big stage show. We're going to use the Pillars and Gates, the cemetery set up, and uh, uh, Sins of a Madman, an Ozzy tribute band, and Wrecking Crew, a new Motley Crew tribute band playing before and after. Right, and on another stage is a, a band called uh, Pickaxe Preacher, Um Rolling Blue, uh, got, uh, you know, AFC and, uh, I, you know, I, the last band escapes me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, oh, it's, 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 on, it's on two stages, so it's kind of cool. It starts at six, and, you know, it's all ages show. It's, it's actually really, really cool. That's gonna be, you know, you, if you when you go back to the beginning when the band first got started, you came up with this whole concept and this idea, and you're gonna make this big production, the stage show. That was kind of unheard of back then for a young band just starting out because you didn't have any backing, any money behind you. You kind of had to do it all on your own. And that was kind of ambitious to take on something that big. Yeah, we still don't have any money. A lot of people don't realize that <laughs> all of the CDs that we did, we we financed them ourselves, and you know, went out and tried to play shows to you know pay off the recording studio and. Um, the stage shows just kind of accumulated over the years. You know, you go to a, a, a garage sale or an antique sale or a Halloween costume shop or whatever, and you see something cool, and I'll grab it. It might not get used for five years, but it's in the garage waiting for its chance to come out and play. Yeah. And uh, it all it all started with one skull. Yeah, it started with a guy that was playing bass for us had been recently been to Disney World and went to the Haunted Mansion. So we had this ceramic skull that had like a snake going through the eyeballs and uh, he, he would bring it to rehearsal every practice. And one night he forgot the skull and he wouldn't practice. He drove all the way there from like the other side of town. He goes, he goes, I'm superstitious like that. I can't rehearse without my good luck charm. And we were like, well, what the hell? And it was around Halloween time. So when he came back the next time to practice, we had decked out the whole practice area with spider webs and candles and skeletons and, you know, whatever else we could pick up at the local costume shop. And uh, people would come over and see us practice, and they thought, you know, they thought that that was like a stage show. We really kind of did it as a goof, for one, and then plus it was Halloween time, so we just kind of decorated the basement for Halloween. And then uh, when we started playing out, we just started taking all that crap with us. <laughs> Wow. Who would have thought the horror metal masters would have gotten the original concept from a small thought of a Disney attraction? Yeah. <laughs> Incredible. And, and, and being sarcastic, we were goofing on the guy, and then it kind of <laughs> became a thing. And everybody thinks, oh, well, yeah, they copied off Alice Cooper. Well, obviously, you know, we were fans of Alice Cooper and Kiss, and, you know, George was a big fan of Genesis back when Peter Gabriel was in the band and doing the theatrical thing. And, I mean, I'm from New Jersey, so I grew up around bands like Phantom's Opera and Salty Dog. That's right. 
and, and you know, and going to Broadway shows and seeing, you know, <clears throat> even religious stuff like Jesus Christ Superstar and Godspell and just seeing like these big productions. So it was kind of, you know, in my blood to do something like that. And, yeah. uh, you know, it just kind of took off and people love it. So we, we still do it. You know, everybody's influenced from somebody. No, you know, so it's how you approach it and what level you take it to. And you guys took it to another level, and you made it your own, which worked for you. And uh, you know, Brian, I saw you had a post on Facebook before where you were talking about you know people asking you for tickets and shit to shows, and I was laughing because you know I hear about that all the time, and people just think like you know, you know, the bands have thousands of tickets they can give away for free that it doesn't cost them any money. This doesn't cost money, and I was laughing. It's serious, but in a way, I was laughing because like I don't think people get it. Like. It's just like with the download. People expect something for nothing, no matter what it is. Right. Well, they don't understand, you know, a lot of people see a band like us and they think, you know, we've toured and, and we do, you know, we can afford this big giant stage show and, you know, they, they think that we're like living it up and that we can afford to just give stuff away. And, uh, you know, we're struggling ourselves. We've been struggling for 31 years, but, you know, we're passionate about what we do. And then, you know, George was the one that made the post, and, you know, it is. It's awkward because everybody you know comes up and asks if they can get in for free. And a lot of times, like in this case, you're playing for the door. So if you let everybody in for free, you can't even, you know, my road crew, they're guys with day jobs. They're they're guys that have broke their back for, you know, for 30 years for us. And, uh, you know, it takes a lot to set all that stuff up. You know, we don't have the fancy uh, – you know, snap together sets, the million dollar sets that Black Sabbath and uh, and you know uh, Avenged Sevenfold have. You know, we're building this stuff from Home Depot, and it takes a, a bunch of strong guys to put it together. And they're taking a day off work, and you know they have families that they got to take care of, and you know I got to make sure they get paid, and the truck guys got to get paid, and we got to pay for our materials. But everybody just wants to get in for free, and they want free CDs and free shirts and you feel like a douche for saying, you know, that you can't do it. And then some of them, like, get mad and you never see them again. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but, but, what are you going to do? you're right. It's true. I mean, I laugh because, you know, what is it, 15 maybe $20 to go see a show and have a good time for the night. People will spend that going to Starbucks and a cup of coffee and, and a Danish. Oh, and absolutely. I think twice about it. It's 10 bucks to get into our show. $10. And, and it's just like a, yeah, and it's like a big Broadway production, We and in past years, we've only been playing like once a year, so it's like an occasion for us. Plus, and it's seven bands. Yeah, seven bands. It's at a right. theater. It's a big show. Ten bucks. Our t-shirts are reasonably priced. Our hoodies, all you know, CDs. We, you know, we're not, you know, we're not uh, gouging anybody, you know. And yeah. uh, but all these people that want free stuff, they have jobs. They work at McDonald's or Starbucks or whatever. And we don't go to their job and go, hey, how about a free burger or a free cup of coffee or whatever? <laughs> you know, I don't mean to be jerky about it, but that's the truth. You know, they wouldn't even expect to give us free stuff. Absolutely. And, and, they... that, and that's another thing. You hear, okay, you guys are playing too early. You're playing too late. You're playing you're playing too long. You put too many songs on the album. You didn't put enough songs on the album. You can't make everybody happy. But, like, I just went to Judas Priest uh, last Sunday you know, I, I paid $65 for my ticket. They were on stage by 8.30 at night. It was amazing. The place was packed, sold out. Nobody complains about that, you know, and what, yeah. like 60 bucks for a hoodie, $45 for a T-shirt, 65 The tickets were 45 65 and like 145 you know, and but people complain about 10 bucks to come see us. 
It's the, it's not just you. It's it's the mentality that a oh, lot of people have all over the place. And I, I see two over here. I'm like, I'm not going to that show. It's fifteen dollars. Like fifteen dollars or more. There's four, you know, really well known bands on the bill that we know of from the underground scene, and a couple of local bands. What the hell you get? It's like two fifty a band. Where are you getting that? You can't get that deal anywhere. It's a night out. It's incredible. I don't know. I've never figured people out. I can't get it. <laughs> but uh, you know what? Oh no. With you know, the only thing it's just uncomfortable. I have to say no sometimes. But you know, our fans have really been great. They've supported us and they show up. And you know, like a lot of times you have to like arm wrestle the clubs to give money because they're in business. They're trying to save a dollar. You know that they see, oh hey, we can get Halloween. We don't have to advertise because everybody will just show up. Well, if you advertise, ten times more people show up. If Led Zeppelin was playing there tomorrow and nobody knew, nobody'd be there. Doesn't matter who it is, you know. It's like yeah, there's word of mouth, but but advertise and 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 make it exciting and get people to come out. And our fans have really found a way to come out and support us for 31 years. And I mean, we've never had a bad turnout, right? Ever. Even yeah. even the ones that we even the even the shows that we th- think well you know there's not that many people it's still better than you know a lot of other shows that I've been to we've been very sure. lucky we we got good fans. Well, you know, I'm one of them, and I can't wait to see you guys live. I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to have to make a trip if I can't get you down here, but I am going to work on it. But, guys, I'm going well, to have to let you know. Only I got we do have waiting. other friends in New York, man. You can carpool and bring a bunch of people with you. <laughs> I'm coming by myself. I'm like a lone wolf. I don't want to deal All with right. anybody. <laughs> but tell everybody one more time about the show, where it is, and uh, let everybody know what's going on. It's uh, in the Detroit area. It's Diesel Concert Theater. And it's in Chesterfield, Michigan. And the address is uh, 33151 23 Mile Road, Chesterfield, Michigan, 48047, in case you're putting it in your GPS. And it's an all-ages show. Doors open at 7, 10 bucks at the door. We're going on stage at 1031. That's, that's funny that we, we picked that time. Our, our witching hour used to be midnight. <laughs> but now that now that now that we're old fellas, we figure we go at 10:31 when people are still in the club and it's still Halloween. 10:31. There you go. It's a perfect time. Hey, well, listen, yeah. Don, TJ, George, Brian, I appreciate you guys talking. I wish I had more time, but we have a couple of guests waiting to get on. But we'll do this again real soon, like always. Awesome, brother. Thank you for having us on. We appreciate you. Anytime. I'm expecting a free T-shirt in the mail this week. <laughs> and tickets to the show. <laughs> I'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. All right, man. Take care. Thanks. All right. There you go. The guys of Halloween. Great band. One of my favorites. And I'm proud to say that I've been a fan since day one. And 30-something years later, I'm still listening to those guys. All right. Let's get on one tune. I'll get Brian on the line. We'll get that interview going. We've still got Kingsley, King Fowley calling in the second half of the show. How about we – you know what? Let's do do some Crude Witch. Here's Divine Trinity.
right, there you go. Crude Witch, Divine Trinity off their first demo tape. Let's get Brian on the phone. Hello. Brian, this is Mike. What's going on? How's it going, Mike? Good to hear I'm from doing, you. I'm doing pretty good, man. It's a pleasure to have you on here today. And especially since I go back to those early days of that first enemy demo tape, Machines of War, it's good to have you here. Thank you. Anytime. And listen, you're definitely one of the most crazy son of a bitches in heavy metal, I gotta say. <laughs> you are definitely <laughs> a showman through and through. I try to be. I mean, it it just comes out, you know. What can you do? You have to, you know, is that a big part of, you know, being in a band too, is like putting on a show? Because a lot of people get up there and like stiff as boards. I mean, you know, you actually, you know, put on a performance, but it's a natural one. Well, for me, like when I go to a show, I want to I want to see people put on a show. I don't want to just, you know, we're just there and people are just, I don't know, phoning it in, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I if there's four people there, it doesn't matter. If there's a hundred people there, it doesn't matter. I want to do the best job I can do because... You know, that's what you pay to see. I know. Well, the good thing is that you're going to be in Brooklyn, New York, this March coming up at the Defenders of the Old Festival 3. Uh, you're going to be going under the Machines of War banner. You're going to be doing the entire Unholy Death record, right? Yes. Yep. That's going to and be And then maybe a, maybe a surprise song or two. Ah, that would be nice. Uh, from uh, Godspit or maybe uh, Bastard Child? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe a band known as Venom, perhaps. Ah, not bad, not bad at all. I would love to hear some of the other stuff, too, if you could manage to squeeze it in there, because, you know, getting somebody like you here to these calls is almost like an impossible thing, you would think, and when it happens, you kind of want to get a little bit of everything in there, you know? Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely. I I was always wanting to come to New York and do Godspit stuff anyway, so see if we can make that happen. That'll be fantastic. Well, let's go back to the very beginning, or as far back as we can. Well, so, you know, you go back to the Machine of War demo. That was a classic demo in the underground scene. And when I think of that area, you know, back in the mid-'80s, you know, you had Queensryche and Metal Church. You guys were doing something that was really much harder, heavier, and rougher than anything else going on in that area. I mean, maybe Mace was, like, in the same boat as you guys back then, but I don't think there was much else of a scene over there for the type of music you guys were doing. No, I mean, when we play shows, there was only one other band that really hung with us, and that was The Accused. Okay, yeah. And they were buddies of ours, and they they brought it all the way. I mean, and them and us, and maybe The Brain Dead, they were all good at bringing in the punks and the metalheads together. But other than that, a lot of the, most of the other bands didn't like us much, because they just, it was too much for them. Was it a hard scene to, to get into or break into, considering that most of the other bands were more in the power metal vein and, you know, more like a much more glossy type of band where you guys were just like rough? Yeah, we were pretty much the outcasts because we'd start playing shows and, you know, people would give us a look like, what in the hell is this crap? This is horrible, you know? Yeah. But we just did our thing and, you know, the people that knew what it was, they loved it. So that's all you needed, the, the true fans. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, a year later... The Unholy Death record comes out. Being a fan, you know, loved it, ran to get it, couldn't wait. But back then, we had no internet. There were very little, very little magazine coverage. The band kind of disappeared after. It was later on that, you know, I, you know, we found out how everything was curtain and everything. Was that what brought the band to an end? Yes, for sure. Yeah. I mean, the thing was when when I when I started, I think I had I wasn't even eighteen before the band before the album came out. I almost turned eighteen, and when something like that happens. You can't really process it very well. I wasn't mature enough to handle it. So yeah. I pretty much just dropped out of music altogether. I mean, there was a 
there was an offer to keep going with the band and we could change all the lyrics and that sort of thing. But to me, it was just, it was too much to handle. So I just kind of got out of the whole thing for a long time. Yeah. There was a, I heard there was going to be a reunion. It was supposed to be 2004. I mean, Kurt was already, he had already passed away, I think at that time, or right around there, I believe. Well, we, we actually had been playing together before he passed away. Okay. Um, we'd been doing some shows um, we were working on a few different songs, nothing too major, just, you know, playing the shows at that point. And then after he passed away, we did do some more shows after that, but it just didn't seem the same after that. It was almost, uh, I don't know, you're missing something so in- integral to the band as Kurt, then there wasn't a lot of point in keeping, keeping it going. Yeah. Yeah. When did you decide to get back into it? I mean, uh, like, you know, on a regular basis, uh, to the music scene, was it with that reunion? Um, yeah, what was funny was apparently Kurt said he had been looking for me for years, and I'd put out some feelers to for a, in a local film thing to do short films and stuff, and he had seen that it was Brian from Puyallup, Washington. So he's like, I thought it might be you, so I thought I'd give it a shot and get get a hold of me, and got a hold of me and said he'd been looking for me for a while to try and get this thing going again because they were playing as a three piece and it didn't quite seem the same to them at least Kurt, he wanted to kind of spark some some different vibes again. So he was actually the one, one that got me back into it. Yeah. i, I got to be honest with you. I mean, I know you guys were all friends, like, you know, from early on, and you played together. But I'd be a little bit leery about getting back into a band with a guy, you know, who kind of did what he did. Did you ever have any reservations? Were you ever worried? Or did you know him better uh, than that? Well, that's the thing was, you know, those three guys actually were were tight friends before I met them. Because um, I had put an ad out in the Seattle paper called The Rocket to try and get a band going, and they contacted me and I actually joined them because they'd had a band called Night Prowler at the time, and then we ended up changing the name. But yeah, actually, you know, for many years, you know, something like that happens, and you obviously have to wonder about it and you know worry about what's going on. But he ended up uh, really turning himself around and uh, doing a lot of good things. So. You know, it was pretty much based on the first meeting, and after yeah. that, I felt totally at ease. Yeah. Did, did you guys do? I know nothing came out like with you guys together the second time around, but were there songs that you guys worked on back then that maybe could get released somewhere down the road? Was there any new material worked on? Um, there wasn't. I mean, the newer stuff. There was maybe two songs, but we had just started working on them, so they weren't even very far into the process where it would it would almost be impossible to finish it really yeah yeah and as far as old songs there wasn't really anything older left we the the songs everyone knows are pretty much the ones that we used to play back in the day so there's nothing we held back got it well now you have gospel a couple of years ago you get involved with that i think uh what's his name for mason's in that band i don't know if he still is or he played with you uh yeah that's uh, rob uh rob burrsmith he was uh in Pleasure Elite, and right now he's playing with Go Like Hell, and uh, he's he's always involved in some great projects and stuff. But he's doing Go Like Hell right now, and my plan is to get Godspeak going again, hopefully next year. Just totally new lineup, and just finding the right people that are into that old school Motorhead worship, you know. Yeah, well, we had Godspeak. It was a really solid record. It would be great to get a follow up to that one. Is it hard? You think that's the hardest part there? Is finding good people to play with or people that have the time to put into a band? Because it seems like, you know, members are going around constantly in groups today. It's, just fun. it's like hard to keep a stable lineup going. Oh, it's totally hard because 
you know, I don't have kids. Just wasn't the way I wanted to go in life. But so many people have kids and families and stuff, and they want to play a newer style of metal, which, you know, it's not my thing. But if you want to play metalcore or whatever, that's cool. It's just not my style. Yeah. And, you know, I it's it's really hard to get people that just want to stick it out and be like, hey, I grew up with that type of music and I love it and, you know, let's make a go of it. So that's probably the toughest part. You know, you'll get everybody intact and then drummer drops out. Get a new drummer, bass player drops out. So it's really hard to keep keep a lineup going. Yeah, yeah, it has to affect the momentum of the group, like I said, because as soon as you're ready to go, somebody has to relearn the songs. And then, you know, as far as writing goes, you know, you get comfortable with a writing partner, and he's gone, and somebody else comes in, and the sound changes of the group. It's It has to be hard to keep things stable. That must be the most difficult part. Oh, definitely. I mean, like with Godspit, we went through a, a few different members right there, a couple of bass players and a couple of drummers. And, you know, right when we were hitting our stride, probably the biggest show we had we opened for Raven, and that almost didn't happen because our drummer wasn't sure that we were ready for it. I'm like, dude, this is like the biggest show I want to play, so do not screw this up. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's definitely getting people in there that'll stick it out and get the chemistry going. Yeah. Well, you know, you come from the city and state that most people blame for the death of heavy metal back in the, in the 90s. Uh, I mean, were the changes that were taking place in Seattle really that drastic, you know, in the, compared to the metal scene that has filtered through the rest of the country? Because, I mean, it doesn't matter where you live or where you come from or what music you're into. You know, if you're not true to your music and the stuff you like, you just abandon it. I mean, it's just like, that's just like a trendy American thing where we go with the next thing that's popular and we abandon the things that are older. I mean, did you see, like, people like, you know, the scene where you were changed that drastically? I know you were kind of out of it at that time musically. You weren't, like, performing in a band, but as a fan or anybody involved in music, did you see the changes coming? Um, oh, yeah, definitely, because the thing was, you know, all the all the metal kind of glammed out at that point. I mean, even Celtic Floss was doing Cherry Orchards and, yeah. you know, Jewish Priest had hit the... the the not not classic turbo album. That's right. So people people were tired of all the big showmanship stuff at that point and there was one band I played with after that called Muck and we would play some shows and at that point the grunge stuff was on the wall. I mean people wanted to change at that point but I don't know. I it wasn't really my thing is you know because metal was just wiped out around here it was it was a really bad time for metal bands in the area and things like that but you could totally see it coming though yeah well, i always say i think we did ourselves and we we broke down this this music into so many subcategories that people within the scene didn't even want to be associated with each other because they like the different kind of metal and it just kind of filtered on from there you know i think we kind of put the nail on our own coffin with that people just looking for something new and they jumped on it uh you know so yeah. like it is what it is i guess Definitely. I mean, the thing is, it's like every genre does that to themselves, really. You just, they overplay it to the point where people are just sick of it. So yeah. I, sadly, I mean, grunge isn't my thing, but I wouldn't be surprised if you see that return one day, too, just the uh, way things go. Yeah, I hope not, but I, I think I think you're right. Well, you know, if, if you listen to a lot of your music, there's definitely that punk influence in there, that hardcore influence in there. Was that a big part of your, your, you know, your musical upbringing? I will say that the funny thing is, the first music I ever listened to is like Ted Nugent, Supertramp, you know, Bob Seger, that sort of stuff. But yeah. as far as the put, I mean, all my good influences came from Kurt and Scott and Steve because they had been listening to that stuff before I got a hold of it. So they pretty much, you know, ramped up all my musical education as far as what I liked and didn't like. So um, definitely leaned more on the, the metal side, but, you know, GBH, Circle Jerks, that sort of stuff, like that yeah. too, for sure. 
All right. What's your plan with Enemy now? I mean, do you think that you, is it something you're going to try to make permanent, or are you maybe going to keep going under the Machines of War, or is this just like a one-off thing? Because you also have uh, you also have Bastard Child that you play with. Yep. Um, I will probably. I mean, somebody contacted me a little while ago and said, "Hey, do you want to come to Portland and do this too?" And it's kind of like I could see doing it in different places under that name would be fine, but I don't think anything new musically would come of that. Yeah. And Bastard Child is kind of, that's kind of just our side project to, you know, keep in the business, do what we want to do. That doesn't have any rules to it at all as far as we want to do country, we want to do metal, whatever we want to do with that. It's just kind of a freak show. So, and, you know, there might be another project down the line at some point. I've been trying to get into a kind of a classic metal situation, old school except style, Raven, that sort of stuff, but thing is, people don't want to actually hear me sing the thing. They kind of want to hear, you know, what I'm known for, the growly type. So that's kind of hard to get into, too. Yeah, they got you kind of pigeonholed, but you can do it all. And I can imagine you want to, you know, do you know do different different stuff also. Well, you know, it's like with Rob from Pleasure Lead. He was, they gave me a shot after, you know, everything went down the second time. And, you know, he's like, hey, I, I bet you can actually sing. So why don't you try that on the next album we work on? And I was like... Well, maybe I will. So, you know, I had taken chorus before, so I, I know about singing. It's just it wasn't what I used to do so much. So gave it a shot, and I could actually sing pretty good, but uh, just find somebody that will give me a shot to try that. Yeah. Well, I hope it happens. Because we all wanted to be Rob Halford was the thing. You know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be Rob Halford, be able to sing like that, but we all can't, so... <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it is what it is. You're giving us great music over the years, and I hope we get more. But with with the with the show you have coming up here in Brooklyn, the Defenders of Old, are, are you putting a lineup together for this, or are you going to go like the route of like James Rivera from Hellsaw, where he has different bands and places that learn the music and the songs, and he just flies in, does the show, and, and takes off? That would be kind of cool. I mean, I would love that if somebody said, "Hey, come come down to Florida, and we'll do that here," or you know, "Come down to Detroit, we'll do it here." You know, that'd be a great thing. But yeah. uh, right now it's you know it's Mike Keller from Sacrificial Blood and his band Maximum Over Satan will will be backing me up so we'll definitely get it done for sure. That's gonna be great. And the whole record, start to finish, that's gonna be amazing. I don't think you, you've never done that before, so I mean it's gonna be a killer show. Yeah, hopefully I can uh, dust off the Alzheimer's and remember everything. But... <laughs> Is it, is it I've got it all under control. Okay. I was going to say, because, you know, when you don't perform or play songs for 25, 30 years, you know, you are going to be rusty. It's not that easy to just pick it up where you left off. I listen to it all the time, and, you know, after you do it so many times, it's just ingrained in your head. I just get have to get used to their tempo, but we're in close contact, so I'm hearing what they're doing, and, you know, it's not going to be a problem getting that stuff, you know, right back to where it needs to be. It shouldn't be a problem yeah. at all. That's going to be great. Hey, Brian, I'm not going to keep you much longer. I've got Kingsley King Sally from October 31st waiting. He's going to be on that bill with you that day. It's going to be a great show. And I'm looking forward to yeah. meeting you to New York. And, you know, the first beer is going to be on me. Sounds good. I'll see you in the mosh pit, buddy. You got it, buddy. Take care, Brian. It was great talking with you today. You too. All right. Take care. Brian Lavender from Enemy is going to be playing under the Machines of War banner. I am so looking forward to that, man. Let's get on a song by Enemy. You know what? I'm going to go demo. Let's go off that first demo tape. Here's Acid Rain.
Okay, TT Quick go for the throat. Now that the band's been back together doing a couple of shows here and there, I know Mark is busy with accepting. You know, he's out on a tour with them or recording with them, but maybe TT Quick can get back into the studio and put out a brand new record. That would be phenomenal. I would love to hear that. Being such a big fan of theirs, going back to the early days. And uh, Eamon O'Connor, who was the first in the chat room tonight, was always the first in the chat room tonight, probably the only one in the chat room, wins the copy of uh, Enemies on Holy Death record. Uh, Brian will be sending that out to him uh, real soon. All right, we got one more interview left to go. Kings of King Fowley of October 31st, and Deceased will be talking to King in about 10 minutes. It's rough trying to get three interviews and all live in a two-hour show. You try to give everybody enough time to talk, but you kind of got to rush things and move it along to get everybody in also. So we did pretty good tonight. Uh, but next Sunday night, we're kicking off November in a great way. We got a real mixed bag of nuts for everybody. Mark Muller from Oliver Magnum will be our guest. Even though the band's not together anymore, they were around back in the 80s. And who knows, maybe they'll reunite after this interview. And Tom Kiefer from Cinderella. So don't forget to tune in. It's going to be a great show. And this Thursday on the Metal Matinee, it's our Halloween Spooktacular 7. So don't forget to stick around for a Halloween show. It's one of my favorite, along with the Christmas one and the New Year's one we do every year. All right, let's keep some of the music going before we speak to King. Here's Warhead, Fallout.
They have seven witches doing Cream's White Room. Everybody knows Jack Fruit passed away this week, so we figured we get down as a little tribute. That's not from the last record, uh, Seven Witches. is the one before that, Call Upon the Wicked, uh, with James Rivera on vocals. Solid album. The new one wasn't bad either, but it took the band in a, definitely in a different direction. So uh, we'll see where the one coming up is. I know they're in the studio right now working on new material. So hopefully in 2015, there'll be new Seven Witches. Jack is a great guitar player. I mean, it seems like he can't keep a band together, but he is a great guitar player. All right, let's get King on the line here and get this interview going. So sit back and relax. Hey, what's up, brother? Hey, King, what's going on, buddy? How you doing? How are you, buddy? Hey, nice to talk to you, man. I'm good, man. I'm just fucking settling in on Sunday night. <laughs> All right. I figured you on eBay hunting down the A-tracks, you know. <laughs> you know, I don't do much on eBay. I, I mean, once in a blue moon, most of the stuff I get from f- collectors I like to talk to, the stuff on eBay is insanely high. I mean, I mean, these people don't realize, like, some of the stuff, they're like, yeah, look at this super ultra-rare Kiss, like, Destroyer, which is so common. And yeah. they're like $80, and you can find it for a fucking quarter at the fucking antique store, you know? That, that's true. I mean... I mean, you know, we all had eight tracks back in the seventies. We were growing up. What's what is it with the eight track? That, is it just something that you want to collect, or is it something that you're like obsessed? Well, I used to collect them. I used to collect them. Uh, when, see, when I was a kid, my Woolworths, for some reason, whenever they got eight tracks in, do you remember Woolworths? I'm sure you do. Sure, I do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, they they used to uh, always get them in, and like when they got them in, like didn't matter what it was, it was always like fifty cents to a dollar. It was like so much cheaper than cassettes or records back then. So I was picking up stuff in the seventies. Like, as a kid, not even knowing what it was exactly, like UFO or, like, Nectar yeah. or Jethro Tull and stuff. So, you know, I got Van Halen and stuff. I used to walk my streets when I was, like, 10, 11 years old with this little portable A-track player and do it, you know. And, and I loved it. And then, like, in the 80s, I still had some of those. And then in the 90s, I said, let me start getting some more of those old ones. Let me see what's going on. This is before the eBay craze and all that. And I went around, and I found some more, so I had a pretty good collection. I mean, I had some pretty fucking rare ones, like riot fire down under and stuff and like oh. y&t earth shaker like pretty fucking rare a-tracks and then uh when i moved to pennsylvania in uh mid-2000s my, almost all my a-tracks got lost in uh when the move somewhere one of these boxes got lost and it was that fucking box and i ended up with like 15 or 20 left that made it kiss on mass shit like that and i just used to just uh put them out for display and then me and my girl were at a uh flea market about four months ago now and uh I was walking around and I just saw, I said, look, there's go get the go-go's vacation on a track. And I was looking, it was like a dollar. I was like, I'm going to buy it just to put with my other ones. Right. Then I got it. And then just for some odd reason that week, I mentioned it to somebody and they said, Hey man, I got an old portable a track player. If you want it, they said, it's, it's works fine. So I got it. Then I started like getting into it. Now I'm like, fuck, I got to have them all again. And you know, it's kind of fun because it's not, it's not kind of like, it's not a popular thing. So a lot of people aren't looking for the stuff and it's, it's not like uh easy to find so it's not like i can just collect it all in an hour you know what i'm saying sure well that's the worst thing as soon as something becomes trendy and other people want to get in on it that's when those quarter eight tracks go up to ten dollars each twenty dollars eight dollars like you said that's the shift part you got to get in on it before some changes but i think you're pretty safe with the eight tracks yeah yeah i mean you know i've gotten some i'm like excited about and i'm like playing i'm like i got a clash london calling from a guy i couldn't get the fucking thing to play for shit but i have another friend that I found online, and he's an old hillbilly up in uh, Arkansas, and he's telling me that he can, like, well, I can fix those, man. I get inside them. I got a kid. I fix them all. So I'm like, all right. So he's like, six hours in A-Track. I'll fix them for you. So, shit, I'm getting him to work on some stuff for me. There you go. I'm waiting for you to go to that flea market one day, and you find a guy selling the box of all your A-Tracks. 
<laughs> well, that's what happens. Well, here's one quick story. I was at this flea market about two months ago, and there was this lady there with a broken leg, and I kept seeing her, and she kept saying, oh, these aren't mine, but I can, I can sell for this guy. And I was, like, thinking, she just popped in this guy's money. It was, like, one of those, like, you know, farmer's market kind of things, right? And so uh, and so the next thing you know, I go through her stuff, and it's, there's a couple cool ones, like deep purple machine head, things like that, cool stuff. But I kept seeing this H-Track box behind this one thing. And I told her, I said, what's that? She said, no, those aren't 8-tracks, they're cassettes. I said, okay. And I was thinking, that's got to be fucking 8-tracks. So I went back up there. Another day in there, there she is just sitting there with this fucking, fucking broken leg, and she's always complaining. And I said, can I look at those cassettes? I may want to buy them. And she pulled them out, and I knew it was 8-tracks as soon as I grabbed the fucking case. And I opened them up, and it was like the mother load, dude. It was every rush, oh. fucking Judas Priest screaming for vengeance. I mean, I'm talking $150 8-tracks on eBay for a dollar a piece. She's like, oh, I guess it is A-Tracks. And I mean, I was finding UFO changes in the night, all this shit. And I was like, yep, I want the whole thing. And the funniest thing was she sold me the whole case of A-Tracks, but wouldn't sell me the case that they came in. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it didn't matter. I was like, fuck it. You know, so a lot of stuff, even stuff that I have doubles on, I double up and I do, do trades with people. I just got a second Death Leopard on through the night from a guy. And that's a good trade piece for me. That might give me my quiet. I'm, I'm looking for quiet riot mental health right now. It's like, that's my top. And then uh, Bark at the Moon and Speak of the Devil. Those are the three I'm looking for the most right That'd now. That'd be incredible. If I see them, you know, I'll keep an eye out for you. When I yeah, yeah. some of the yeah. sales out here where I live, uh, you know, I always keep an eye out for stuff. But That's you have cool. a hey, collection you... of everything. I mean, I mean, you post up your shit, like, God damn, look at all this stuff. And I'm like, I've been collecting you know, so long. But did you ever get rid? Of, did you ever get rid of something? Or not even real? I mean, I like to see these guys. I mean, the HRS got lost in the move. But did you ever intentionally like just get rid of a ton of shit? And years later, say, why the hell did I do that? Then you started buying it again. Well, you know what's weird is like with the, uh, my VHS collection, I had a huge VHS collection. I ended up selling it all. Me, reason being is that it took up so much fucking space, and I had almost every one of those fucking movies on a DVD or a burn. And some of them, I'm like, I'm like looking at stuff. I'm like, do I really need a fucking VHS tape of Jacob's Ladder when I have the DVD? And all? so I just started getting into stuff. Then it got to like the the deeper cuts and stuff. And I just moved them out for really for purpose, for uh, space purposes because I was renting a storage space I had for three years and that fucking thing cost me like fucking fifteen gram. I was said and done. Yeah, I can imagine. That's that's the hard so, part of storing everything. Yeah, but I mean, I'm still good. I still got like eight to ten thousand albums. I got five thousand CDs. I probably got about five hundred eight tracks and shit DVDs. At least probably fifteen to twenty thousand, dude. Damn, you're the man. Well, you know what, King? I'm looking forward to this March because Defenders of the Old Festival. You're going to be performing there on October 31st. I mean, between October and Deceased, I mean, it seems like you guys have shows constantly between one band and the other. And that's got to be a good thing because it was a long time where, you know, it was hard to get shows and people weren't showing up. But as soon as now things are looking a little better, are you seeing it as a band? Um, you know, I, I I never stopped doing it, even through the, the toughest of times. I mean, Deceased, you know, it's been around so long, every 30 years next year. And, you know, we went through so many times where we couldn't, we couldn't get fucking get a show on our fucking, you know, our fucking worst time ever, you know. And then fucking, and then other times we fucking would totally fucking get stuff out of the blue and it was totally cool. And then the next thing you know, fucking, now everybody wants it. And then, and then the guys couldn't do it. And then when they could do it, we couldn't do it. We were young, we were 20, and we couldn't get a fucking show. We could have gone for 10 years straight, you know what I'm saying? And fucking now... And now it, it is what it is, but with October 31, it's like I can, I can at least go back and forth. Like at least when deceased goes down time, October can have up time, and we kind of do it like that. But playing out and stuff, I mean, the, the, the people have supported us for so long. They know that I'm not going to fucking sway. Just speaking for myself, since there's been a lot of replacements in the other bands. 
and stuff. But uh, it, is, it is what it is, and it always will be. I mean, I love playing to one person or a million people. I love playing the, the bars, you know, the, the Billy's Beer beer fucking Boulevard to Vakken, you know. It doesn't matter. It's just fun. I actually prefer the smaller shows, even over the big ones. And I've played to everything from nobody to 50,000 people at Vakken, you know. So it really just it, it varies. But I love it all. I'm just happy to still be able to still be doing it. Yeah. When you go out looking for shows, I mean, do you go out looking for shows for, for both of your band? And if you do, I mean, how do you pick and choose who goes on what show? Or do you just wait for the promoters or the people to, to kind of approach you? But I want to see them on October 3-1. How do you go about it? It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of separating itself over time. We're seeing that October is more of a heavy metal, you know, kind of thing. And that Deceased yeah. is more of a deathy thing, even though I kind of bring a fun little spirit to that, too. But uh, for a while, I was like, you know, hey, you guys want to do some shows with whatever, something in the you know, Cannibal Corpse style shit. And I was like, kind of saying, well, that's cool and all. We could, I don't have a problem playing with anybody, but, you know, it might work better if we play with Grim Reaper instead of Funeral Bitch, you know, with October yeah. 31. And then with Deceased, sometimes they want to put us with these <laughs> bands. And, you know, even though Deceased is pretty quote unquote heavy, it's like, it's more lighter than that. It, the weirdest thing was that we, uh, we, uh, what was I going to say? We, um, we went overseas to Europe earlier this year with Deceased, and then the first show we played was Keep It True, and that was like us with Jag Panzer, Flatsam and Jetsam, bands like that, and we were like yeah. Venom to that thing. We were so incredibly over-the-top, way heavier than anything on there as far as sound-wise and style. But then, a week later, we played uh, Neurotic Death Fest, and uh, that it was like we were like the pussy band on there. It was like Terrorizer, Punyard <laughs> Stench, you know. So it really it just varies, and, and it, it worked both places. People appreciated it at both places, so that's cool. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I prefer – I like with everyone going, going out and just doing the heavy metal kind of thing because it's, it's fun. I, I even like playing with like hard rock bands and stuff because when we play out, we do all kinds of shit. We've done Heartbreaker from Pat Benatar, and we're yeah. loaning a Quarter Flash cover right now for a, uh, a cover song and uh, just, just, just rocking. But we're also you know still doing shit like – Lizzie Borden and Witch Killer covers and shit like that too. So it's 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 all the it's the gamut, you know. Absolutely. Well, like you were saying, when you when you get put on a bill, you know, either the Cease October three one, you get put on a bill with totally different bands and different genres of music. Is it more of a challenge trying to win that crowd over, or do you prefer, like I said, to try to get on bands where each band would fit into that bill, where it's more streamlined, where all the bands are sort of in the same, you know, sound. I think it's. I think it's. We just go out and do what we do. And some people. I, I remember early on when October started. You know, with my deceased background, people just thought it was going to be death metal, assuming. And uh, we go out, and the people used to say, "Man, you guys are cool. You're kind of reminding me of the old '80s heavy metal." And that wasn't, you know, as popular as it's become now again. People used to say, "Yeah, you remind me of this old band Grim Reaper," like as if you know we were bringing them back to a time, which was kind of what we were trying to do. So it worked out fine. We play out with death metal bands. If we were out on some other thing, we've done death metal shows in Buffalo for uh, Brian Patterson and stuff, and fucking. Uh, those have been, you know, fine with us playing alongside Grave Hill or something like that. It, it's never, it is what it is. I mean, we're going to give our all, you know, so yeah. people can appreciate it. They do. I've said, we did a Motley Crue cover red hot at that thing one year. I was like, yeah, that's right. Motley Crue cover at the day of death. Boy, you got the, what a fucking poser I am. <laughs> <laughs> Just fucking with people, you know, I mean, it is, we do what we do. I mean, I'm not going to change it for nobody. We're not going to tone down or tone up or whatever you're supposed to do to fit in. I don't blame you. Well, you know, the good news is that, you know, Buried a Hatchet, you know, it's the first record in about almost 10 years, close to 10 years uh, for the band, which is. is really good. Is there any urgency in getting new music out today, or is this, you know, when it comes about, it comes about? It's been a couple of years since the last deceased record, too. It, 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 it has never bothered me when to get it out. I mean, like I've yeah. always told people, and this is one of the reasons we left for you, was because 
they'd be like, okay, man, you know, you got, you got the little momentum here with supernatural addiction. Let's hurry up and get something else out. And out, and he'd be like, yeah, write this, write this, get this done in times. And he'd make me like basically go to the band and be like, okay, let's shit something together in the next six months. You know, when we got into this to play music, we appreciated that we could respect ourselves for writing and creating. There's no time limit on it. The stuff with the October, the reason for is so much stuff has gone on in the last seven, eight years. Sure. You know, from me moving up to Pennsylvania to other guys moving away to guys leaving the band to marriages to divorces to just a lot of shit. Yeah. And so, well, you know, you see a lot of bands today. They don't even put albums on anymore. Skid Row, they have said that they're going to do like, you know, three or four song EPs every six or seven months because it's less music and people could take it in more. There's a short attention span today. Other bands, they're just, you know, putting out digital singles like every couple of months, one single. They don't even bother with the records anymore. I mean, do you think the record is like on the way out? I mean, you know, vinyl is making a little bit of a comeback. People are buying it again. But it, overall, in the big picture, you think somewhere down the road, bands aren't going to put out full records anymore where it's just going to be maybe a single or a couple of songs? You know, I'll never be a part of that. I mean, that, that's, that's a marketing scheme kind of thing. I won't be part of that. What I want to do, if I want to do a new song, like we did a new song, Deceased, the Flexi on the Decibel, the song Luck of the Corpse, and yeah. uh, things like that are fine and dandy. But, I mean, I still appreciate the full-length album. I'm going to go to my grave that way. You know, I mean, I love putting out a new album. This is, hey, this is our new, you know, this is our new aura. This is where we are for these last two, three, four years that we've been writing this, creating this, and this is what we got. You know, I never went out of the way to write 18 songs because CDs held 18 songs. I think that really hurt music a lot because the albums became too long. And yep. I'd rather have eight good songs than 18 half-ass songs. You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what it was. It was half filler and half whatever the band had at that time. And you're right. It's way too much. And people, you know, people today, I mean, when I do interviews, they're like, how long is it going to be? I'm like, oh, maybe 15, 20 minutes. I mean, I could talk to you forever. But after 15 minutes, people are tuning out. They don't have the attention span anymore. Right. The same with right. albums. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, you know, it's like me with the horror movies. I can still sit through paranormal activity, and other people will be like, this is the slowest fucking dullest piece of shit I've ever seen, like Blair Witch, you know? And I'm like, I get it. It's moving in my, I mean, I'm a hyper dude. So if I can slow down to that, I think anybody can, you know? And I can speed up to things too, you know, if I have to. It's true. You know, okay, I got to tell you, you know, I read your posts on Facebook all the time because they're the most entertaining shit in the world. And when you start telling <laughs> stories about your days in music, whether it's, you know, something that happened at a club when one of the bands are playing or, or a road trip, you know, I mean, I know you've been working on a book for a while now, and I think we're going to get it real soon. And I'm hoping that you include you know, as many of those stories. I mean, I don't know if you can. It would be like an encyclopedia if you include every story you had, but I'm hoping you get most of them in there because they are fascinating stories. And you know, it really shows people like, you know, kind of like the inside of what goes on in a band and in music and dealing with other bands and promoters at clubs. I mean, you you know, with everything we do is warts and all. You don't hold nothing back. You say it like it is. And, you know, that's what I love about you. Well, I mean, you know, I, like, I can tell you this for the book. I'm going to try to get as much as I can. And there's just so many angles to approach a book. I mean, the guy that's writing the book and wants to do the book and everything, and press it and stuff. He wants to, like, a lot of my philosophies on life included in there. And he's like, you got to find a fine line. He's like, well, you got to have some stories about fucking chicks, too. And you got to have the drug stories. you got to have the story about your health. And then you got to tell all these stories about how these dudes are dicks and bands and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, but after that, there you have, now you have what I was just talking about, the 18-song CD, where you're just <laughs> talking a little bit about everything. I'd rather talk in detail about certain things and then kind of go from there. What we've, we're working on for the book is, that will tell a lot of stuff in the book, but we'll also have a, a website that tells more stories as time goes on, like things that couldn't make the book. And then you'll yeah. be able to kind of like continues on, you know, like it never ends. Kind of like when you saw Fast Times Ridgemont High and you loved it so much, and then when it ends, you're like, damn, that's it, no more stories from this, this is so cool. Yeah. And then you fucking do it. 
That, that's a problem. You got to leave them wanting more, and that's something that's kind of lacking today in this world that we have. It is. I know. I know what you're saying. It's, it is. Yeah. It's, I mean, you, especially out of the gate when they're like, you get nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Well, I, I loved your rant from about a week or so ago about King Diamond and being. I mean, I was like a diehard Merciful Face fan back in the Those first, you know, three records were just amazing. I enjoyed the first King Diamond record, but I lost it for him after that. I just same with me. I don't know where the I don't know where the music went after that first record, and even the same with the late one. You know, when Fate reunited with the different lineups, uh, I wasn't a big fan of that. But what the hell is that King Diamond that got up your ass so bad? Well, I mean, the bottom line is that King Diamond for me, I, I, I met King Diamond back on the Don't Break the Oath tour. We, I saw him twice in four days. It was them with Exciter, then it was them with Motorhead and Exciter. I shot some pool with the guy, and we talked because my name's King, and his name is not King, but it's King. And uh, we kind of made a little thing. I mean, I don't want to sound like an ass when I say this, but I'm kind of hard to forget. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. Kind of make an impression, I think. And uh, years later, I saw him again, and he was like, you know, I was like, hey, good, glad to have you back. This was in the shadows and stuff, and I'm talking to him. And a friend of mine wanted to put give a give him a single of their band. And we love King Diamond. That's so cool. You know King Diamond, blah, 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 blah. And uh, so I was, like, trying to give him this 45, and he wouldn't even fucking turn his head, talk to me, nothing. He acted like a dick. He's like, give it to my security guard, please, and uh-huh. walked off. And then I'm trying to talk to this guy. And that, that wouldn't be enough to hate the guy, but then we played with him. Deceased played with Merciful Fate, and he was just a complete egotistical asshole. And, and you know, on top of that, I've never liked anybody that's just so greedy. I mean, he's so greedy. He does, you know, I, we, I remember when I was 31 tried to do a tour with King Diamond. We were just trying to get on any big name thing and go out and play. It was them, Overkill, and Death Angel, and fucking, uh, you know, none of them were even taking metal bands out at the time. They were, they were like, we're not, we're not currently playing with metal bands and stuff like that. And I just kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, blah, 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 blah. But as King Diamond's come back and stuff, I just don't like something about him irks me. Yeah. yeah. Even, even deeper than just what I've told you. I mean, not just, not just the feeling, but what I've seen, and, you know, and the, the, the poor out, out, uh, outing of all his music for so long. I mean, the solo material is so bad. It really is. And like I said on that, on that Facebook page, if he didn't have an upside down cross fucking microphone and painted corpse paint and all, whatever you want to call that thing he wears, <laughs> a lot of people would not care as much. I, 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 no, I agree with you. Like I said, I was a diehard fan in the early days, and like you know, I actually went to the show, The Best Buy. It was a pretty good show, even though he didn't really do any of the songs I wanted to hear. <laughs> you know, that's what you right, right. Hundred bucks, you know. But I'm just, you know, I know, I know exactly what you say. But that that attitude, you think that like that rock star attitude, especially today, and with what everybody went through, like in the '90s, and you know, kind of getting knocked off that pedestal and taking 20 years for it to come back again, and even if it's a smaller you know, type setting today, you think that actually yeah. would have been knocked out of any major rock star, like over the last 20 years, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just, I'm just not, I'm not into that. I'm not into that. And then I've had people say, okay, you're just jealous. You never got to their level and all that. No, you know, I could have done a lot of things differently to get to another level. If I want to, that's one of the reasons I left relapse. Also, I'm not going to kiss anybody's ass. I'm not going to like hush, hush, sweet Charlotte. I'm not going to be that guy. I fucking see shit. I don't like, I see dicks, you know, in these bands and shit, talking shit and fucking clubs over and, you know, telling us we can't sell our T-shirts within a mile of the club and shit. I say something, man, and, I, and that's just how I've been. I mean, I remember Matt from Relapse telling me, if you just shut your mouth, well, you have a lot more opportunities to get you on tour with a, you know, named band. I'm like, oh, I guess it'll never happen then. And I said, this is, you know, you're supposed to be able to say what you feel and be yourself. You don't fit into the Johnny Bravo suit. Yeah. Well, you, you would think with the, you know, the kind of collapse of the, you know, the whole record industry, I mean, at least on the major level. I mean, it, I mean, it fills us down to everybody, but you think it would be better today for bands where they have more say and more control. They don't have to worry about, well, I mean, really, what is the label offering a band today outside of distribution? I mean, is that so big that a band couldn't do it on their own if they wanted to? Exactly. 
I mean, that's what I said. I mean, with my old metal fucking records, fuck, uh, I'd do it out of my house. And they were like, Metal Blaze, like, yeah, all right, we'll give you a couple thousand dollars, and we're going to own all this music for 20 years, and you'll be at our mercy, and you'll you'll dance with who we tell you to dance, and this, and as soon as I got that contract and got all that, and I thought, you know, this was all, like, the added on, I fucking tore the contract up. My guy was like, wait a minute, we just signed a Metal Blade, but you uh, just tore the contract up? I'm like, fuck this. I don't need this fucking <laughs> bullshit in my life. Yeah. I, I'm not that guy. If you want to do all that, you know, go do that. You know, I, it's just not me. I'm not the hip parader centerfold guy. I don't. King, I, I mean, I, I don't. I don't know. You don't really drum that much anymore. I mean, you know, you hurt yourself and you drumming. You kind of miss the drumming part of being in the band. Um, I like creating. I like yeah. creating. But I just don't. Uh, I don't. I, I, I like. I, you know, it's weird. I wish I was always the singer and deceased. I just wish I was up front. I can imagine in my heyday, you know, as a youngster and a royal wild buck, how insane it might have been. It might be best I wasn't. Maybe it was good that I was hid behind symbols and stuff because some of the shit that irked me off at the time, it might have been best that they had my ass cheeks glued to a drum stool, you know? <laughs> I can only imagine. Well, what's the, <laughs> biggest, what's the biggest evil in this whole thing? Is it, you know, the members that you play within a band, you know, the the business part of it with the labels, the promoters, what's the one part you just, like, hate dealing with more than anything else? It's a, it's a tie. It's a tie between greed and fun. It's a tie. Yeah. This is just the way it is. It's, I mean, greed. Greed is the is the is, is the thing of the world. I mean, every every war is because of greed. It's because of money, greed, power, all that. I just want to go out and have fun with everybody. Everybody's equal. Like, and I, I you know, I was telling somebody at the show one time. You know, if you're if we're up here, what I do, or you're back there selling a hot dog to the metalheads, or you're fucking, you know, working the merch booth, or you're working the sound or the lights, or you're cleaning up when it's over. We're all here together. Ain't nobody better than nobody. Yeah, that's just true. The lights are turning to me at the moment. Big fucking deal. You know, it's just, it's just, it is, it is what it is, and that's all it will ever be. Well, you, you know, Deceased just played in Brooklyn about a week or so ago at the Rage of Armageddon Festival. A lot of bands on that bill, uh, you know, at that theater. You got Hobbs Angels of Death came in, Whiplash was on the bill. Is, is it cool getting, you see, like, these little festivals like, starting to take off again here in the U.S.? We really never had any, like, festivals like over in Europe, but between that and now the Defenders of the Old, I mean, you think this is something that we could kind of make turn into our own rocket somewhere down the road or, or keep it true? You know, it's kind of running the gamut right now. This is It is what it is. I mean, you know, the defenders of the old with what he wangs, what he's doing, what we've tried to do, it's all for fun and stuff and, you know, just good times. But uh, it'll never be like Europe. I mean, Europe kept it going when nobody cared. I remember in 2000, 1999, 98, that time when Power Mad was a little thing in Baltimore that a guy named Keith Minzer used to do uh, from Mystic Force. And, uh, he'd bring in Jack Panzer, Raven, here's fucking T.T. Quick, and there'd be 10 of us there. Ten people at these shows, and I think about it now. This is fucking hilarious because now, because now this is fucking what it would be. True. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> it's a whole crazy world. It, it, it is what it is. It's all. I mean, I hate to sound you know cheap with the answer, but it is what it is. I mean, it just is. I mean, you can have people like I was talking the other day about making their patches on their shit that you know they don't even know the bands, but they want to be part of it. Be part of what? <laughs> the, the, the long haul? Yeah. That, that That is the funniest stuff. You see these kids with all these patches on the jacket. You're right. They don't even know who the bands are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the long, the long haul, there is no patch. There is no denim jacket. There is no no list of cool things to do. You just do it. And, you know, and, and that's the thing that people don't understand, that when you're really into something, you'll never, you'll, you'll never in your lifetime see it. You'll just feel it. You know, it's just a feeling. 
you know when guys are in this for life. You know when people are dedicated to anything, not just music, anything in life. You're like, that motherfucker is diehard for this. They're passionate about that. But a lot of people want to make you think, I'm so into this. I'm so into, you know how many times I've seen all these people and I've gone places and said, try to sit down and talk music beyond the five-minute uh, complimentary talking time of it, and people just don't, you know, they don't care. They're, like, they're on to something else. Like, they're just wearing the, the suit, so to speak. Yeah. Well, most of them don't know what you're talking about in the end. <laughs> That's what it is. I mean, yeah. I mean, I know I go into some deep cuts and shit like that. I know it's like the whole world to know who the fuck Demon Flight or fucking, you know, Shining Blade is, but fucking, uh, you know, just to talk to people about music. I could sit here and talk. I was talking some other day about fucking Jefferson Starship and Jane and shit like that. And, you know, and it's, to me, it's like, yeah, remember those days when you were a kid and the radio was all you had and you fucking listen to shit and you're like, man, this Barracuda is fucking heavy or Heartbreaker is heavy as shit or Jane or fucking Double Vision. That was like radio metal back then, you know? Yeah. You're talking about Shining Blade. I just dug up an old live bootleg of that band. I was transferred the other day on the cassette, from cassette MP3. Man, that's the Wing Snake song on that fucking Speed Metal Hell is amazing. Uh, but that fucking, but that song on their CD they put out, they ruined it. They fucking ruined, they ruined it. I mean, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> well, you know, you, that happens a lot. You get, you know, when somebody puts something out from the, like, the roller catalog and they, it, it doesn't have the same. I always felt that way about cities. You know, one of my favorite bands from New York, if you heard the demos compared to the album, it's like night and day. Right. Even though I mean, it, You're right. I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 is, it is. I don't know how else to put it. It is what it is. Teach their own. You know, yeah. seeing people come, I've seen people go, I've seen people be one minute be death metal, the next minute they're heavy metal, the next minute they're operatic, <laughs> fucking ambiance, the next minute they're typo negative, the next minute they're thrash. You know, I've just, I've seen so much in my day. You know, I'm just a fucking dude. I ain't sold a whole bunch of records or something. You know, it's bizarre to me, the people that know me, and I just I always want, I'm like, how do you know me? Like, the guys in Blue Easter Colt, my friend of mine works for them, and they were like, that guy King Fowl is wild as shit. I'm like, how the fuck does Blue Easter Colt know me? I was like, what, how in what world would we cross paths unless I was drunk somewhere or walked up to him somewhere and somewhere in my life and said, hey, man, I fucking love you guys. Yeah. I was like, where would this ever come up? And then he was like, oh, they fucking, you know, they seen you here and there and they heard about you through the grapevine. And also, I'm like, well, is this like, you know, some kind of fable tale? This guy here, he's so crazy and blah, 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 blah. Or is it like some real legitimate, like, okay, cool. You know, I'm like, he's just weird. Like, I don't want to be the weird guy on the corner that singers rabbits, you know? <laughs> Hey man, there's a guy that's on the end of the block, man. He's yeah. he's crazy, man. He's fingering the rabbit, and he, yeah, he's fucking, you know, he eats fucking dog shit for dinner or whatever. You know, you know, <laughs> I don't I don't care who, who who thinks what because I know what I am. But you know, it's just bizarre to me sometimes, and it, and just I've done what I've done so far on a, a low scale level. I mean, you know, we don't we're not the band with eight thousand billion on YouTube. We've never been that band, and we're not you know, the big band on every festival and shit like that. And I don't want that. I mean, I wouldn't, even if we got that, however we got that, it wouldn't make a difference to me. I'd still be out there like farting in people's faces. <laughs> hey, 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 listen, I respect what you do more at your level than like we were saying before, where a band's death metal one day, this and that. that's an anthrax. Anthrax has been everything to everybody over the last 30 years. And I have no yep. respect for a band like that where, you know, You've stood true to both of your bands and what they're about. I mean, you've been in other bands besides these two, but I'm saying these have been your, ta- you know, your, your two main things pretty much your whole life. And I respect where you've gone with each other. Like I say, Anthrax, they're, you know, they're rap metal one day, they're this metal the next day, the death metal, the new metal. You know, they've ran the gamut of whatever is popular. Yeah, uh, no and, there's, and there's people like that that got to sell, sell that suit, you know, like, you know, and you have other people like, oh, man, they were just moving with the times, man. That's part of being a musician. you got to move with the times. Kids move with the times. Don't you remember when they went disco and, you know, all this kind of shit, you know? And I'm like, yeah. hey, 
cool. <laughs> Enjoy right, it, right. you know. I'm, I'm going to still sit here in a Y&T Earthshaker. <laughs> That's it. Hey, King, I only got five minutes left. I want to get on a song. Uh, what do you got okay. coming up, uh, you know, in the near future, in, in the area or anywhere that people can go check you guys out? Either Well, well um, October 31 is playing St. Vitus Bar in Brooklyn with Raven on Friday, November 21st, yeah. for that Raven Night Demon Tour. We're playing uh, Boston, Massachusetts, the next uh, – yeah, somewhere Massachusetts. I don't know if it's Boston, but Massachusetts uh, the next day at Ralph's Diner. And we're doing a Sunday in Baltimore at the Gallery with Raven again. That's as far as October. Deceased only has one more show this year. That's in D.C. at a place called The Pinch, and that's November 15th, which is a Saturday. Music-wise, October's working on that Metal Massacre 31 thing I told you about. I think you saw on my Facebook page yeah. where we're going to cover all these old Metal Massacre songs because that's a – series that's dear to my heart growing up and you know helped me find a lot of these underground bands you know that uh deceased ghostly white i could never tell you when it's going to come out it's proceeding very very slowly the book uh the king Sally book very very slowly as well we're supposed to have a first draft here at Halloween. take a look at that it's i mean it's got to be right i'd rather take 10 years and do it right than three years and toss it out there and it come and go you know what i'm saying well it'll, it'll probably come and go anyway but you know what i'm saying well, I'm looking forward to all that, King. And you know what? I'm going to beat the Ravens, so I hope I'll catch you there that night. Yeah, come on out, brother. I'd love to see you, man. We'll fucking have a blast. But I do, I do appreciate the support, and I love seeing you on Facebook with opinions, man. And I never knock nobody for their opinion, man. You got that, buddy. You take care. Have a good night. I'll keep you my too, brother. Thanks, Mike, for the support. Seriously, bud. You got it, buddy. Take care. All the best. Bye-bye. King, King Sally of October 3-1 and deceased. Great guy. What a character, I mean, and he's a true character. I mean, you know, he believes in what he says, and that's great. Like he says, you don't agree with him, that's life. But you got to hear him out. All right, let's get on some brand new October 31st. Here's Down at Lover's Lane. Hey, and you know what? If you are going to be in the New York area, don't miss them. How good can that be? Them and Raven at the St. Virus Bar, really cool club in Brooklyn. Check it out. Here you go.
All right, brand new October 3-1 from the Bury the Hatchet Records out on Hell's Headbangers Records. Go pick it up. It's an amazing album. And they also do a pretty cool cover from Icon. Who does an Icon cover, huh? Under My Gun to do by Icon. So definitely check it out. I want to thank all my guests tonight. Kingsley King Valley of October 3-1 and Deceased. Brian Lappinen from Enemy. He's going to be at the Defenders of All Festival 3 under the name of Machines of War. He's going to be doing the whole Unholy Death record. I want to thank Brian Thomas and George Neal from Halloween. Great show we had everybody tonight. Don't forget to tune in this Thursday to the Metal Matinee. It's our Halloween Spooktacular number seven. I'll see you guys then Thursday. We got about we got a couple of minutes left in the show, so you know what? Let's close it out with one more tune, and then I'll say goodnight to everybody. This is the Bad Brains, Eye Against Eye. Take care, everybody. Have a great week, and I'll see you Thursday. <laughs>
best heavy metal anywhere. BlogTalkRadio.com and Heavy Metal Mayhem. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.